every American citizen must have an equal right to vote. The administration of elections is primarily a state and local responsibility. Whether you voted for the very first time or waited in line for a very long time, by the way, we have to fix that. Welcome to High Turnout, Wide Margins. This is Brianna Lennon. I'm the county clerk in Boone County, Missouri, and with me is my co-host. Eric Fay, Director of Elections in St. Louis County, Missouri. And today we are very excited to have George Stern from Colorado. We're very happy to have him here today. So thank you for, for talking with us. Thank you both. I always love talking with other election officials. So first we will start off with our usual question, which is how did you end up working in elections? A lot of volunteer work at first. So I was very into organizing voter registration efforts in high school and college. I did some election protection work while in law school, also served in the federal government during law school and did some voting rights work. But my actual election administration experience begins and ends with this role. So I was out of law school. I was working in the private sector as a consultant, happily paying off my law school debt. And the uh, 2016 election happened. And the divisions in that election, the rhetoric in that election, rhetoric including around election integrity, made me feel called back to the public sector. I'm not a divisive rhetoric kind of guy. I'm a get things done kind of guy. And I didn't think there was enough of that anymore that I was seeing in, in the public sector around me. And so I wanted to get back in. And I started looking around for what that might mean. And I knew elections. So one of the first places I looked was our clerk and recorder's office, clerks run elections in Colorado. And uh, I live in a large suburban county just west of Denver. We've got 600,000 people. It's Colorado Swing County. And as I, as I looked, it turned out the clerk's office was run by a 20-year incumbent who had worked in the office for a lot longer than that before taking the elected official position and had gone basically unchallenged in each election. And, and our county, my county, was suffering because of it, as, as I saw it. So, you know, it always took us longer to count our ballots than our neighboring counties by many days. We had the bare minimum, as required by law, number of drop boxes and vote centers. They were distributed bizarrely. We had one, our largest city of 150,000 people had one Dropbox in it. And it's important to remember that in Colorado, the vast majority of our voters vote using Dropboxes. And this extended to other parts of the office. We also oversee the DMV and, you know, it, it was equally bad there. And I decided that I wanted to step into this. As I talked to staff, it was clear that they were great. They were doing good work and, and wanted to do right by our citizens. They just didn't have the leadership in place to help them. So I also had the requisite screw loose to decide to want to run for office and did. And our incumbent had won by 15% four years before. I managed to win by about 1%, about 4,000 votes of 300,000 cast. It took, to my point earlier, several days for those ballots to be counted and for us to have any resolution. And we've since worked on fixing that, but that was in 2018. And so I've been in office two and a half years now, running elections for two and a half years now and loving it. And we have Thanks to our team who's already here and who I've kept on and added a few people to, we've been able to make really great progress in Jeffco. This could just as easily be a organizational change culture 
episode. Um, just curious, what in the in your first two some odd years, what what have been the biggest challenges for you? On the elections front, we're lucky in Colorado to have a really great base that we're building off of, right? We have state laws, we've got a statewide system that has been really solid. What we lacked in Jeffco was any desire to be innovative on top of that, to push ourselves to be doing better, to be voter centric, doing right by our voters. And, and that was the challenge, overcoming that, having been missing out from the way we thought about elections. So we had never before used data to drive where we were putting our voting locations, which is why we had one Dropbox in a city of 150,000 people. And when you looked at the data, it was very clear that the further you moved away from that Dropbox, the lower the turnout got in that city. So we started using data to drive where we had folks, where, where we were putting our voting locations. We've now got nine Dropboxes in that city. We've more than doubled the number of Dropboxes we have and have been able to dramatically increase turnout in those areas and, and to improve upon it. But it took a, a shift in the way we thought about things to start doing things based on data. When we thought about how to process our ballots more effectively, the direction from the top previously had been do it at the lowest cost possible, not do it as fast as possible, not do it in a way that gives voters information as fast as possible, but save money. And I changed that direction to get results to voters as quickly as we possibly can. Turns out, by the way, that doing it faster saves a lot of money because you're paying your election judges less hourly wages, you're paying less overtime to your staff, and you're able to distribute out the ballot processing in a more organized way. And so we, again, just had to sort of change the way in which we're thinking about it there. Our team has been great. They have had more, way more good ideas than I have had and been open to all of them, but really the challenge was switching the direction from the top and getting our team to adjust to that culture change. In terms of where you are drawing inspiration and where your staff is coming up with ideas and things like that, do you find colleagues that are working on similar things or is it something that, you know, you are kind of siloed away in that regard. We've got a super collaborative spirit in Colorado, strong clerks association, which I know you've talked about previously. And in general are great about sharing ideas here. Staff are great about coming up with them. I think what we find is that some clerks are more open to those changes and innovations than others. And those ideas either filter up where they die in the office. And so I am certainly leaning on other clerks for inspiration. I'm leaning on staff in my office and outside of my office for inspiration. But I think importantly too, and, and I had come from most immediately from the private sector as a consultant working with companies to help them improve their operations. They're coming from areas outside of elections and outside of government as well. So you know, some of the things we've done with technology are based on what private sector enterprises are doing. We introduced a live chat in this past election where voters could connect with us online to chat live with an agent to get answers to their election information, which was driven by the fact that most private customer service websites right now let you chat because they can do it while they're sitting in a Zoom meeting at work, or they can do it while 
they're uh, you know multitasking with whatever else they are multitasking with and be able to get those answers more quickly. So we, we were leaning on the inspiration from everywhere to try and meet voters where they were and give them what they were expecting. That's an interesting point you make about your background that you had done a certain amount of consulting prior to becoming clerk. In your experience, do you feel like the public sector and election administration in particular could use more of a, I hate to use this term, but kind of a a private sector perspective in terms of innovation? Frankly, I think private sector can use more of a public sector inspiration and public sector can use more of a private sector inspiration. So yes, I, I don't say that in a way that says, you know, public sector government doesn't know what they're doing. Private sector has got to come in and save it. I, that's a common trope we all hear in government. I'm sure you have the citizens that I do who tell you that if you just ran it more like a business, you'd do a much better job. And when you explain the differences between businesses and the government, it falls on deaf ears. I have certainly brought that private sector inspiration to the public sector, but I think there are a ton of great people in government doing good, innovative work who might never have spent time in the private sector. For me, it's really about looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So I, I definitely think that election administrators should not only look to other election administrators for good ideas. And people in government should not only look to other governments for them. I think there's realities in election administration. You are heavily regulated by our local entities, our state and our federal government that the private sector just wouldn't understand and we can't adopt everything we do. But I do think we should be looking broadly where we're drawing that inspiration from. A lot of folks in the election administration community have only ever worked in the public sector. What's your advice on how to branch out a little bit from there and see you know, what the private sector is doing in some regards? We all use the private sector, right? It, it, whether you're shopping on Amazon or spending a terrible time on the phone with whoever your internet provider is in your local community, We've all dealt with the good and the bad in the private sector. And so I, I think what I encourage our team to do is simply think about this from the user's perspective. We always should be thinking about, in our case, the user is the voter. And just because they're a voter doesn't mean they're not our user or our customer or whatever we want to call them. We don't charge them anything, of course. We shouldn't in elections, but we should be thinking about how to make their experience better. And we all know good voter experience, good customer experience when we see it and when we don't. And so, you know, I encourage our team to always be coming back with the good idea they found. Hey, we had, you know, I, I just had a great live chat experience with my company I was trying to return clothes to. I think we should try something like that here. Or we heard about UPS optimizing their routes by making sure that they're only going in one direction all the time. Maybe as we're trying to save money on our pickup routes to our drop boxes, we should be thinking about actually mapping our drivers are going rather than just sort of randomly sending them out to boxes and telling them to figure it out themselves. I think there's always ideas if you're looking for them. You mentioned that you felt like the general ethos of the office was not a voter-centric one, and that was something that you wanted to bring into the office, and it seems to be a cultural shift. I hesitate to say that it's tied directly to like a generational shift of thinking, 
But do you think having now served in this role that, you know, there's been a shift in government, in local government to being more responsive to people and being more proactive about getting information out there and reaching voters and prioritizing what their experience is instead of just looking at making our jobs easy or things like that? Yeah, I think there has definitely been a shift. I, as you said, I don't know what I would prescribe it to on our end. I would say I, I think a big driver of it is demand from the user, the customer, the voter. And as more and more people are becoming digitally, they're digital natives or they're digitally fluent, I, I think they expect then to be able to get the info they want on their smartphone at any time they want, not have to show up at a polling place on one day of the year and, and figure it out. I, I think, you know, there's there's that drive from the people we're serving to give them that. And then I, I think offices have either adjusted or they have. And what we have in government that, again, you know, I think private sector people would turn their noses up at is we don't always have competition. So if our office doesn't adjust to what the people we're serving want, it's not like we go out of business. We continue to be there and we might not do very well. But I do think, you know, people are also getting better at telling the stories of their experiences. Our government offices all have Google pages with Google reviews on them. Even without the competitive pressure, it starts to become harder to do nothing in the face of what people are demanding of you because they can post on social about how terribly you are or they can give you that Google review or you know just more easily get a hold of their elected officials. Uh, they don't have to show up at a town hall. They can get a hold of them on Facebook. Uh, to me, that is sort of a, a good recurring process here of our constituents are demanding more of us. We, in turn, are hopefully giving it to them just because we have adopted that the spirit of, of you know meeting our constituents where they are or if not we're sort of being forced into it by them being better at calling us out when we don't and as a result of some offices naturally trying to adapt to what people are demanding I think then again that sort of creates the environment for innovation so what I find is I serve in Colorado with 63 other clerks, some of whom have been in office for decades, some of whom are even newer than I am, all ends of political spectrum, age spectrum, experience, and our constituents are demanding that we do more, and they're demanding it more successfully because they can, because they have the platforms to. Most of us, right, are just adjusting naturally because we want to, and we want to do better by them. Those who aren't adjusting might just not know how, and then they're able to see those ideas from others who are adjusting and, and learn and adopt them themselves. And then those who aren't adjusting and don't know how and don't care to learn how and getting called out more publicly and perhaps not winning re-election or, or not continuing to serve in the roles in which they're in. I'm curious if any reaction you've gotten within your state or in other places, um, people who have been around elections for a much longer time, and you've come in with this energy, ideas to change things, anybody giving you the kind of, you know, what's this whippersnapper, think he knows kind of attitude? 
most of the things we have done in our office apply to our office. And so, you know, it, it doesn't in any way impact my peers and, and what they're doing. Some ideas that we're implementing here, I'm stealing from you know, other clerks who uh, have been doing this a lot longer than I have and uh, had frankly great ideas that were worth adopting. Others are, you know, ones that we were willing to be the ones to take the risk and try and turned out to fail and they, everyone knew to stay back or turned out to work. And as a result, you know, clerks much more experienced than I am are now implementing them as well and taking a look at them. I think the area where it starts to get into people saying, well, let's slow down with that change is when it becomes legislation and when it starts to impact everyone. Because right now, the things I just try in our office doesn't impact anyone else if they don't want it to. But when I start to be very supportive of legislation that's going to change things in major ways or to push legislation that uh, might change things in major ways, that's when we start saying like, whoa, let's slow down here. Let's remember how we've always done things, that we have a system that works really well, that we should be cautious in making big changes to it. As in most places, we've got a changing of who controls the legislature, which changes what happens on elections. And sometimes the those on the left are strongly resisting legislation on elections, and sometimes those on the right are. And uh, and I that's hard to you know have been here through it all to sort of adjust with, as that pendulum swings. But the only time I have seen divisions around things we are innovating on are on legislation. But I think it's it's all coming from a good place of us all just wanting to make sure the system we have that in Colorado works really well, continues to work really well. As we're seeing people leaving the field, as catalyzing events, like you said, 2016 is what really pushed you into the field. 2020 expectedly will push more people into the field as people start becoming aware of the importance of local entities. My two-part question is, one, have you noticed personally, because I'm sure you have colleagues from your past career, having an opinion about you getting into local government and whether they are now also interested in local government or if they are looking at things a different way? And two, um, have you noticed just generally more younger people getting involved in your elections locally? Yes, yes, and yes. The uh, the questions we're getting are the same. So uh, no question, right? I, I think a year ago, almost no one in my life, even those pretty close to me, had any idea what a clerk and recorder was, what election administration was, why, you know, why it was more than a two week a year gig, why uh, you would ever need teams of people to do this for year round. And then no matter what side you are on after the 2020 election, we all get elections. Now the, the importance of them, the questions around election integrity, the importance of uh, experienced folks, non-political folks being involved in running these elections and ensuring that they're going well. So I have definitely seen an increased understanding around that, an increased interest in folks wanting to be involved. But I will say also a, a 
dramatic increase in the number of people saying to me, I would never get near that. That seems like the hardest thing to be involved in or the most political thing. So yes, on that front, I've definitely seen it. In our office, both with our staff and our election judges, we have certainly seen demographic changes in the last year. So I have unfortunately lost a few of my most tenured staff members, and it was exclusively related to the 2020 election. And it was, I have lost, frankly, more Republicans than Democrats among my staff, but uh, I, I've lost people of all parties. And it was just a matter of, this isn't what I signed up for 30 years ago. I've been, I've been doing this for 20 years, 30 years. I've been doing this through the 2000 election. I've been doing this through HAVA. I've been doing this through all the elections in Colorado, through our big changes. And the one consistent thing was that election administration was, wasn't questioned. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't asked my political party by those coming to vote. We just we did our jobs. We never talk, talked about politics, and it, it um, and it was you know fun to be around. Now I'm getting death threats because people assume things about me based on the fact that I work in elections, and that's not where I want to be anymore. At the same time, I'm seeing people run to apply for positions in our office, whether they're full-time staff members or election judges, who we've never seen before. They're they're coming not um, because they've always wanted to do this in retirement or because they uh, are looking for some extra income in retirement or uh, because they you know, just want a nice, reliable county job, but because they're passionate about elections and they're passionate about coming to this perceived controversy or issue or thing that you know has has so many eyeballs on it now and being a good government leader or a good election administrator a good a person who you know tries to bring good to perceived bad or common sense to you know, what is becoming partisan and, and political and those are really exciting applicants we're getting. They're really exciting judges. They're new energy into this process. Our experienced staff and experienced judges love having them in. They're, you know, just new ideas, a breath of fresh air to the whole process. So we're seeing changes. I, I hate seeing that I'm losing good staff members because of those changes, but I am gaining some pretty great ones in return as well. With the scrutiny that was brought to election administration uh, during and after 2020, does that give you pause at any of the changes you're trying to make? And I ask that question because in the public sector, you're not often rewarded for taking risks. It has not changed our outlook. Our changes have all been centered on three things in our office. It's been expanding accessibility, increasing efficiency and improving security. And when, you know, I, I, on, so on that platitude level, right, everyone agrees on that. There's no one on the political spectrum who's gonna argue with me that we should decrease security or that we should be less efficient in processing ballots or make our elections less accessible. I you know, get disagreements on accessible to whom, but uh, 
but I, I think certainly everyone agrees that it should be easy to vote for all eligible citizens, that we should process things efficiently, both in terms of time and taxpayer dollars, and that it should be secure, secure from people who aren't allowed to be voting, trying to vote, secure from Russian interference or any foreign entities trying to impact our election. And all of the changes we've made, all of the changes we've tried have, have been in those lenses and I can defend all of them on those fronts and I feel comfortable doing that. So we're not gonna stop continuing to look at data to put drop boxes in better places to figure out where we might need more to figure out how many vote centers we need. Our uh, vote center innovations have been around how do we get people in and out faster so we never have lines at our vote centers. Lines in Colorado are inexcusable because 2% of our voters vote in person. So why would we ever have a line? And that is, you know, is what we've been trying to solve for. And Republicans and Democrats vote in person in about equal numbers in Colorado. So no one on one end or the other is giving me more grief if I'm getting better at running my vote centers. Likewise, you know, on, on efficiency, everyone wants results sooner. And everyone thinks something has gone wrong if they don't get their results as soon as they wanted them. They, they start to wonder why is this taking so long? And so as we have really looked at our entire process to improve the way we're processing those ballots, and as a result, gone from taking five days after the election to get results to having 99% of our ballots counted on election night, that has pleased everyone. And it isn't something I'm, I'm taking any for. On the security front, you know, I think security is for us in Colorado, where, where we have a, a model that predates me that has been extremely secure and, and has a lot of great safeguards in it. it. It's mostly about transparency. So we have launched our, we've overhauled our website. We've got the live chat that tries to get information out there. We've got a whole video series. I do Facebook live tours of our entire process every election to try and bring people into it and answer every question they have. And that's again, something where, you know, I mean, always when you increase transparency, you get more questions and people might find more things to nitpick, but few people are upset that we are opening the window wider to show them what's inside. So I, I think the increased scrutiny of anything for us is gonna try and make us be more transparent so we can get the accurate information out there more effectively. And it's also why, you know, I care more about processing ballots faster so that people don't think I'm doing something weird behind the scenes if I'm taking longer to count their ballots and, and why I want it to be even easier for people to vote. Because now, you know, the terrible thing about skepticism about election integrity is that sometimes it causes people not to vote, right? That they throw up their hands and say, why would I even participate in a system that might not be secure or that, you know, the outcome's already fixed. And so, in addition to increasing our security and being more transparent about it, being more efficient with processing ballots, I wanna make sure that it's even easier than ever for people to vote so that if, if they do have any reason why they're hesitant to, we're making it so that uh, at least there's no obstacle in their way to voting. I don't know if we'll keep this in, but I'm just curious what your reaction would be. Why aren't more people like you election administrators? In Colorado, we've got good innovative people. There's other, young clerks, there's there's other clerks with private sector experience. Uh, there's certainly, you know, the vast, vast majority of our clerks care about making elections better and and doing right by the voters. And from other clerks I talked to elsewhere, 
has been that if they haven't always been there, they're quickly taking the voter centric approach of how do we do right by our voters. And I'll actually say, and so I'm thinking on it, Colorado has, thanks to our model, been on the forefront of a lot of things, elections for a number of years. And the pandemic accelerated that, right? A lot of people were looking around for what's a model that can work when people can't all gather in a crowded room one day a year. And, and so we had more people from across the country reach out than ever before. I had people from dozens of different states between my colleagues and me, probably every different state saying, what are you all doing? What advice do you have from us? What have you learned that didn't work that we should avoid? What did work that we should adopt? And uh, to a person, you know, whether they were just on the phone or they flew out here in the middle of a pandemic to see our processes up close, it was local election officials who were doing that because they cared about making things better for their voters and making their elections work no matter what was going on. When there was a global freaking pandemic going on, their emphasis was on how do we keep this process working for our folks. So I, I think that my experience has been there's people everywhere who take the exact same philosophy we do of let's do right by our, our voters and make this process better. There's obviously people getting involved in elections everywhere. And you mentioned it earlier. Lots of people are getting involved in partisan activities. Lots of people are getting involved in campaigns. There's nonprofits, there's think tanks, there's all sorts of places where people are looking. I don't know how many of them are looking at election administration. And this might be putting you on the spot, but you are also a politician. Um, it, and so am I, because we have to run for things. Eric doesn't have to run for anything. He's appointed. <laughs> but what would your pitch be to people that are getting involved, that are in their 30s, that have a background that might be unique and add a lot of value to the elections field to get them involved in it. Because in my experience and talking to people that are involved to the, to the point where they're at, where they feel like they want more voters and they want democracy and they go, oh, that's, that doesn't sound like how I can contribute, but it really is. How do we get them in? Well, are you a talker or are you a doer? That's what I would say. As a politician, I feel very comfortable saying that politicians are talkers. People who work for politicians are talkers. And those who are in government, those who are running the elections, those who are actually making this process work are the doers. And we need more people to be doers, especially right now when the talk is so divisive and so charged. We need people who are just putting their heads down and getting the work done. I can tell you, having spent a year on the campaign trail and two years in office, it's a lot more fun in office, actually getting to do the work, getting to serve everybody, getting to make sure that we're hearing the feedback from our constituents and putting it into action rather than just talking about what we would do in action working with the teams of people who are committed to this, you know, who have been doing this for a very long time and care about it. It's fun and, uh, and you get to see results and you get to make it work quickly. And I think elections are especially fun because you get feedback, right? You always know after the election, how did we do? Did we increase turnout? Did we make this so that more people participated in our process? 
or not? Did we make it so that our lines were shorter and people didn't have a bad experience voting or not? And then you can adjust based on that. You can see how others do. There's an overwhelming amount of data. And I think that uh, it's it's really, you know, it's, it's the place where if you want results, if you want to be in the action, you want to be doing, this is the place to be. Okay, thanks everybody for listening to another episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins. A big thanks to George Stern from Jefferson County, Colorado for being our guest today. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you listen again to High Turnout, Wide Margins.